Father, we come right now and we thank you for this opportunity again that we have to, to hear your word and hear the message that you have. I pray that my words are yours and that, that it enters in our hearts and we receive it and that it impacts and changes our lives through the next steps that we have uh, throughout our week and throughout the rest of, of what you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. So, Acts of Worship, Session 3.0. Here we go. So, first I'd like to open with the, uh, the scripture. It's John 3.30. You don't have to put it up there on this one, huh? But uh, it is, He must increase... And I must decrease. Let's say it all together again. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is the hardest thing to understand. And really, as we talk about all these acts of worship, that's what these are all for. It's also we can decrease so he can increase. That is what we say when we say, oh, the Spirit to lead us, the, the Spirit guide us. We pray that God shows us or God's talking to me. All of these verbs and these terminologies are all basically saying we're wanting him to continue to increase in our lives so we can decrease in our lives. Now, when I teach this one this morning, I'm going to have to do it a little bit differently because I have somewhat to say to thee. Uh, that's a scripture out of, uh, I don't know, I think it's uh, Peter or somewhere like that. But let's dig in here, okay? This session 3.0 is about covenant. It's a word we don't really use much in our day and age, actually, is covenant. We usually use words like this, agreement, commitment, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's a pledge, right? We call it the pledge of allegiance, right? We're pledging this, okay? So we don't use the word covenant so much, but it has a little bit. We really only use it in one specific sense, which is marriage usually. We call that a covenant. A lot of times when you're up there, they, uh, you know, when the minister is saying his bits and whatnot, and uh, I don't go to many weddings because I don't particularly care for them, uh, but he says his bits and they're entering into covenant. That's the, really the only time we use this word. But in place of it, I'm going to use a few words that maybe you're used to saying. So commitment. Everybody say commitment. Now y'all are going to say, oh, commitment. We're about to get you know, bashed over the head with a hammer. Not at all. I'm just going to challenge you to think about a little different. We're going to look at several things here. So covenant also means this, though. It means promise. I thought it was so funny. We sang so many songs that had the word promise in it. I was literally, as we were, that's when it hit me a couple times, guys. I was singing, and we were singing promise. I was like, because I already know what I was about to say. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, promise. Oh, promise. Commitment. It was his commitment to us. But in a commitment, sometimes we even use this word, partnership. Remember that? Who's ever been in business partnership? I have. Doesn't work out very well for me. But business partnership, it's two people that have a part to play at it, right? When you get married or anything of that nature and you have a, a, a friendship, it's a partnership, right? It's a commitment. It's a covenant together. So when we look at covenant and acts of worship, you say, how do these two things coexist? How do they even combine together? I believe this, that commitment drives act of wor acts of worship. Commitment drives your acts of worship. You say, well, I thought it was all a heart matter. Absolutely. The heart is the gas. The heart is the thing that is the motivation to want to do the acts. But commitment is what it is that drives your acts of worship. Now, let's look at a few things here. So if we say commitment, where was our first commitment ever made? Who was the first time you ever promised somebody something? Then you didn't get to fall through with it. Because uh, like when you're a kid, you're like, I promise we're going to do this, but you don't have a car and you can't drive anywhere, right? So you can't, you can't do the things that you promise sometimes. So what was our first commitment? Let's look at this. Hosea 6, 7 says this right here, if we can put it up there. Hosea 6, 7 says this right here. Oh, we got a, we got a new words worker. <laughs> so uh, in this scripture, I can paraphrase it uh, if we don't. Oh, here we go. All right, so... But they, like Adam, have transgressed the covenant. 
and there have they dealt treacherously against me. Now, a lot of scriptures and translations say it this way, and I want to read, uh, read, read in this translation as well, um, which it says, Like Adam, they have broken covenant, and they were unfaithful to me there. Now, the key thing we're going to look at here real quick is, in the King James Version actually says, and man broke this covenant. And I want to just point this out, and again, go watch all the other videos on this. But the word man here is actually the same exact word that's in Genesis when it says God makes Adam. And that's why this translation says Adam, because it's actually the exact same word. Man and Adam are the same, same word throughout Scripture. So we look at it, it says man means Adam, but transgressed. This, is, this, was, a, this was an interesting one to me. Because we think transgressed, and it sounds very, very dark, does it not? But transgressed actually means to alienate or to alter something. So they've altered something. What have they altered? The covenant. The covenant here specifically means a pledge together. So a covenant and a pledge together. So something has happened somewhere with Adam way back when that has somehow altered a covenant that we had. I'm I'm walking to this side a lot because everybody's on this side. We are a lopsided people here. Uh, (laughs) It's all right. My lovely wife's on this side. I like looking at her better anyways. Uh, (laughs) But we've altered something, right? So it says right here, Adam, or man, at the beginning, we've transgressed or we've altered something. We've done something to alter this this covenant, uh, this this pledge, this agreement, okay? So let's go look at what that is. We're going to go all the way to Genesis here. And again, I highly recommend read chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Read all of them. And if you want me to read them here, I can. Someone order some pizza. Uh, it's a lot of scripture to read. There's a lot of content in there. Uh, I, I have a hard time getting through chapter 1 and 2 within a couple of hours sometimes because I, I end up going all off on, on other directions and things of that nature. But read it all. But here's the, here's the area that we're going we're gonna to start on. That's right. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. The earth is without form and void. Darkness is upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moves upon the face of water, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And then we go into the second day, where he starts creating all the, the herbs of the field. And the third day, he creates all the animals. And we get all the way to where he starts to get ready to create man, or Adam. And this is what it says right here in, in Genesis 26. It says, let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, the fowl, the air, and every, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And it goes through there. And then it comes down into chapter 2. I'm going through this quickly, so I don't... Uh, Use up all my time to do something that you should be doing on your own. Anybody ever said, hey, we go to church to get fed? Who's ever, who's ever heard that term? Raise your hand if you've heard that term. Okay, that's, that's the majority of people. Go to get fed, spiritually fed. I challenge you to say, no, you do not. You come here to pick up food. This is takeout. And then you go home and you eat it. And you study it on your own. So this is takeout. <laughs> so in Genesis chapter 2, 7 through 18 is really where we're going to focus. So I want to read Genesis chapter 2, 7 through 18. We're going to really pick up in, in verse 15. And let's look at, uh, I'm just going to turn there here in, in, in this, because I like this uh, translation as we read it here. So Genesis 2, 7. So here we are. And the Lord formed man. From the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul now the lord had planted a garden in the eastward or in east of eden or in eden sorry and there he put the man that he had formed and god made all kinds of trees to grow on the ground uh, that was pleasant to the eye and good for food in the middle of garden there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil 
And, and then in 10, basically, all the way through 13, it talks about a little more details. It talks about the water and how there's rivers that flow out of Eden and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it talks about, like, all the, all the gems and all this different stuff that's in Eden. We're not really going to focus on that part um, of it, but it's very interesting. You should definitely read that. We're going to jump down here to verse 15 now. It said, And the Lord took man and put them in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man and said, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. And then the Lord, this is where the most important scripture, guys, in all of the Bible, right here. It's verse 18. It says, And the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper, or a helpmeet is what some translations say, suitable for him. It is not good for man to be alone is the most important thing, because I self-destruct. If Terrence's not there, um, I would eat horribly and stay up all night. Everybody else is like, yeah, no, not me. Yeah, you. Wally, you know you clean the house right before Kim comes home. So let's look here. 15, 16, 17. These three scriptures are the first covenant that we see. We also saw what the other part of the covenant was back in chapter 1 where he says, He blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish and have dominion over all the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. This is a part of the covenant. He says, Listen, I'm going to create you. And I'm going to put you in this, this, this state that you have dominion over everything. And then later he says, now look, I'm going to put you in this, this garden, this place called Eden. And there you have free reign of everything but one piece. Just this one piece. So he says you have free reign of everything but this one piece. This is the first covenant. The first covenant, first agreement, the first commitment is God says, listen. If I can put it this way. Can I put it this way? God says this right here. He says, listen, I'm going to commit everything to you. All of creation, he committed to us, right? We see that. He said, have dominion over all of it. He didn't say dominion over some or not over others or like whales are more important than this or what have you like that. You know, all of it we have dominion over. That was his commitment to us. And he even went a step further and created this little special place in there. And he says, this is, by the way, we won't read this scripture, but the scripture where it says they walked and talked with God in Eden. So they were in direct communication, the presence of God, as we were singing all about this morning. They were sitting there. So he said, not only am I going to commit all of creation to you, that's my covenant to you and commitment to you, is all of creation is yours. Not only is all of creation yours, I'm going to give you all of my presence. Now think about that for a minute. He said, I'm going to give you all of my presence. I'm going to give you everything, basically. That's everything. I mean, what else is there left besides the presence of God? Have you ever been in a place, whether it's here or at home, and, and, and you feel the, the spirit move, if, if I can say it that way, you feel it there, in, in, in around you, there's just this, this, this feeling that you never even want to leave it. Because what else is there besides that? And that's what he gave us. He said, but there's this one little thing that I need you to do for me, which is don't touch this tree. And I've heard people ask this question. Well, why would God even do that? If God's all-knowing, he would just knew that, that we would fail. Why? God's all love and all powerful. He gave us everything. Why would he take this one little piece? Well, I mean, literally. I don't think it was a physical tree, guys, but it's like one tree on the whole planet Earth that you can't touch, and we managed to do that. But why, right? That's a big question. Who's ever thought of that? Like, why did he even do that? Why did he just not put it there, not put the, the, the whatever you want to call it, the temptation or the option to do that? Why? Well, because it had to be a covenant. That was our part. Our part was just don't touch that. But why did we have to do that? Here's what I believe. We had to have the option and decision to choose him. Because otherwise, I believe love is a choice. And we can't choose to love him like we said we were created to love this morning. We can't choose to love him if there's no option not to. I challenge you to do it this way. 
if you're married or have a, have a relationship, I challenge you to lock that person in a closet and say, you will love me. It doesn't work that way. People try it and they get arrested later, right? It doesn't work that way because love is an option and there has to be a choice there. So that's why he had to. It was because I had to give you your part. Now, the interesting thing is he gave us all this. And he said, this was your part. And we, as I said, we altered that covenant, as it said in Hosea. We altered it. We, we transgressed it, as Scripture would tell us. But that literally means that we just altered it. We changed it. Why? Because we, when we broke that covenant, now all of a sudden we were removed from this. And if we look down a little bit later, uh, basically in, in chapter 3, and I, I won't read through this, this area here, but in chapter 3 is what is commonly referred to as the fall of man, or when we, we did this, when we, we broke this covenant, and, and when that happened, now all of a sudden it says that God led us out of Egypt. Or Egypt. <laughs> I went to a whole other story. Well, it could have been an Who knows, right? Uh, but he led us out of Eden, out of the presence. And he actually says, because if they partake of the tree of life now, now they'll live like this forever. And we altered the covenant. God says, this is not the covenant I want for you forever. So I've got to remove you from this before I can set up a new covenant. Now, there's also a scripture in Genesis that a lot of people uh, talk about and refers to Christ. Because this is a new covenant, right? We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Is everybody aware of that? The Bible is, 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 is set up in two, basically, testaments. You know what the word testament translates to? Covenant. New, old covenant, new covenant. The new covenant was Christ. We look at so many scriptures. I'm going to get off topic if I go down this, and I'm trying really hard not to, guys. <laughs> we look at scripture after scripture. It talks about Jesus came, came to say, seeking to save that which was lost. What was lost from the beginning? We just read it. The original covenant, the original relationship with God that we had, it was gone. And God said, I can't, I don't want this altered covenant because this sucks. God talks like me, guys. He said, this sucks. This is not how I want my people to live. This is not the relationship I want you. Have you ever sat down? I, I'm, and I'm just going to share. Marriage for me is where this comes from. But sometimes it's even with children, right? You have a covenant with your children. Okay? On our real Sunday, by the way, that's what our children are going to be learning about, is about how they restore their relationship with their parents in the right way. But when we look at this, we have relationships with our children or with our spouse. Have you ever? I've had this happen. Tara and I have been married now 12 years just a couple weeks ago. And I don't know, about year five to seven, those years sucked for us. Uh, there came a point, I'm just being honest, guys. There came a point that we both had to sit and say, this is not the marriage I wanted. This is not what was intended when we said, I do, at, you know, 18. This is not where we wanted to end up. And we had to decide, what are you laughing? Okay, technically I was 17, guys. Uh, <laughs> We had to decide and say, this is not the, the, the covenant we wanted. I'm going to shift it. We're going to alter it. Because we had obviously altered it over the years. We're going to alter it back. And we chose to do that, and now we're here. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been here. With your kids, same thing. With friends, same thing. Sometimes, right, you get in relationships, you get upset at each other or whatever like that. Your kids are acting crazy or you're acting crazy. Because sometimes, parents, it is you. Uh, <laughs> you're, and, and then you say, this is not the relationship I wanted. That's what God said at the beginning. He said, I set this thing up and I gave you the choice. You, you kind of messed it up. This is not what I want, so I'm going to set up a new one. Now, God's outside of time, so the thousands of years that, that all this transpires is nothing to God. To us, we don't understand that, but it's far beyond us. And he sets up a new covenant. That new co covenant was called Jesus Christ. Christ means the Messiah, the one sent to save. What was he here to save? The covenant, the relationship that we originally had. And you say, Jared, how does all this have to do with acts of worship? I'm about to show you. I'm almost there. So... 
when we look at this and say this covenant now is going to be restored when Christ comes, right? That, that's what we, we say when Christ, when Christ came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost was the covenant. He came and restored it and said, now look, I'm going to do it differently. Okay? I'm going to do it differently now. Now I'm going to give you back access to Eden or the presence. I'm leaving out a whole lot right here. But I'm going to give you access back to that relationship. That original relationship, I'm going to give you access back to it. We even see things that kind of foreshadow that all throughout Scripture. If you, if you want to spend an entire day with me or, or with people who have studied out the whole Old Testament, it foreshadows Christ and everything he came to do. And even when he was crucified, it says that the veil that was around the temple, the temple was where the presence of God was held. See, in the Old Testament, the presence of God was not with you. Okay, right now we are sitting in this place. Scripture tells us that the presence of God can be, doesn't say it always is, but can be right here with us at any given time, right? It says the Spirit lives in you, so it's now with you. That's the relationship. Everybody follow me? But all through the Old Testament, after this original covenant was broke, all through the Old Testament we had to do all of these things to, to make it so. And even then, the presence of God or the Spirit of God didn't come in us and stay with us. It says it came on. It just temporarily kind of came around and then went back to the temple, if you can think of it that way, right? Like, it, it did not dwell with man. But then when Christ came, the temple had a veil all the way around, or a big curtain. Think of it, a giant, thick curtain that had no seams. The whole purpose of that was basically there was no way to get into it. It was to protect the presence, Okay. When Christ was crucified, even, it says that, the, that that veil was torn. And if you read about how that thing was made, it was, like, super thick. It wasn't like a sheet. Like, so for that to torn, it says there was earthquakes and all those things, and it was torn. What is that? That was symbolic of saying, hey, this is now accessible to all. What was the shift in the covenant, though? How did Jesus, how did God restore, did I, oh, okay, there it goes. Uh, how did God restore the covenant differently? Well, the first time, it was based off this one thing. Something, do not do this. Just don't do this one thing. You want to know what the second time was? Now do this. The shift was no longer a, a work of something you had to work at not doing or anything of that nature. It was simply now, now all you got to do is do this. All you got to do is do this one thing. Do versus do not do. And I would question again, I'm going to say this, I'm going to look down when I say this one. This is a, this is a, a dad trick. You look down when you say something that people may get upset at. I would question how much the church talks about the don't do's versus the do's. Because we're under a new covenant, so it should be about what you should be doing. Which is why Micah 6, 8, by the way, is my favorite scripture of all time. Which says, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, which is to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. It said, didn't say to not do this, not do this, and not do this. It was about what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. Because when you start to do those things, the other crap just doesn't happen. I said crap. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And that's what covenant is. So you say, why all these acts of worship? What is the, the purpose of the acts of worship in the covenant? Like, so why do we do any acts of worship if it's not about the works you do? Because we said it from the very beginning. It's not about the physical act. It's about the heart behind it. But because we are programmed to say, Steph stole my sermon. That's all we got. Because you are aware, you notice that it said God created everything. And then he gave us dominion over it, to control it. But who does it belong to still? God. There's scripture in John, uh, I believe it's John, that says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all the world and all that dwell in it. So even though we have control or dominion over it, it doesn't mean it's ours. So what do we have to give besides this? 
This is all you got. Some of us got a little more than others. Some of us got a little less than others. But this is all you got. So why do we do the acts of worship? Because it's exactly like Steph said. Is this, is, this is all I've got to give. This is it. This is all I got for the covenant to give. So I want to give. And again, give. Let's, let's, let's make sure we understand the word give. Give means to turn over control. It's interesting. The world uh, and earth, we had dominion and control over it. Uh, we kind of decided to do some different things with the control of it. And then now we say, now we want to give. Give means to relinquish all control and hand over with no recourse, meaning I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm just giving it. I think this is the best example of this. If I was to give, uh, my son uh, is too young for this, but I, uh, I'll tell a story. Story time with Jared. Are you ready? So I was once given control of something, not ownership, but control of something. And I once transgressed the covenant. I altered it. And here's what happened. Okay, my dad was going out of town at the time I was like 15. And he was going out of town, and he gave me the keys to his brand new Dodge truck. At the time, it was brand new. Now it's that rickety old one he was driving around that goes all the way. Uh, and now it's in Belize, actually, with him. And I was given the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, for a 15-year-old kid with parents out of town. I had keys to a brand It was a 2003. This would be, what, how old was I? I was 2004-ish, 5-ish, something like that. Somewhere around there. I'm 15 years old, and I get the keys to a brand new I mean, JR's got one out there. Just imagine, it was a 2003 black, black leather interior. I had the keys. I had control. Who owned it still? My name was not on the title, and I did not own it. I just had control over it, right? So I had this control of this vehicle, and I transgressed the covenant on a Saturday night by doing something I was not supposed to do with the truck. I was told I could take the truck to and from the house to feed the horses. I said, well, on the way there, my friends live on the way to so I can pick them up and then we can go there and we can go and the long short of it is I wrecked it and I shouldn't say wrecked it like Ralph I totaled it um, like completely demolished the truck and I was on a set and my brother's laughing because he remembers uh, my parents were out of town so it was Sunday morning I was supposed to get up here and I think play drums or lead worship or something like that uh, and uh, we called dad in the morning honestly my dad I thought I was going to get killed uh, but he just said is Jared okay first I was like yeah 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 okay what about my truck it's no bueno. So I, what did I do? I altered the covenant. He said, you can have control over it. Just do these things with it. And I said, well, you do this way with it. And he rewrote the covenant. He no longer gave me the keys to the truck. Until I was 16 and had a license, he bought me an old Dodge truck, which I also wrecked, actually. Uh, <laughs> I just rear-ended somebody. It was fine. Uh, <laughs> but hey, I'm going to pick up all your kids and drive you all to church next Sunday. <laughs> you know. uh, but why? You say, what, what's the example here? The example is simply the same thing. I altered the covenant, and then my acts started to change after the covenant was altered because I no longer could just say, hey, Dad, let me have the keys to the truck and go drive. Now I had to say, hey, Dad, can you go with me to go do blah, 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 blah. I want you to hear that. Think of that spiritually. Can you go with me? We ask spirit to lead, guide, direct. Because what we're saying, we said, hey, on our own, we screwed this up. But can you go with me and stay in covenant with me? Can we keep your presence with me so it protects me? And then when I go throughout the things I'm going to do, I know it's all all right. Because if there's a wreck now, dad's got it. Not me. Are y'all hearing this? I hope so. He's got it. And that's the new covenant that there's. He's got it, not us, because it's not through the works that we do. So then what more can we do besides say, hey, Dad, 
all I got is my Snickers bar, but you can have it, right? You don't have anything to give. So when, we, when our acts of worship, the physical things we do, the bowing, the clapping, the, all of that, any of that stuff is just simply you know, a response to the love and the grace that God showed us in saying, hey, I can restore this covenant. Believe it or not, my dad did not even whip me for wrecking his truck. Because he, he was more concerned about my, my, my health and my, my, the status that I was standing in and the place that I was in. He was more concerned about that than he was about this retribution across and, and, and disciplining me. Now, I want you to hear that, and let's, uh, let's, let's put that into Genesis, okay? What I just said, right? He was more concerned about where I was than what I did. And what does God do in Genesis? He says, listen, this happens. They partake of the tree. And the, his first thing was not, oh, my gosh, they partook of the tree. I'm going to bash mankind for all eternity or anything like that. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. All I got to do right now is make sure they're okay and get them out of this presence because if, if they partake of the tree of life now, now they have to stay there. And I can't have that. I'm more concerned about their health and where they're at. And then he restores the covenant after that. Now, is there repercussions for actions? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying that whatsoever, right? Like that, that's just a common thing we understand. You do something dumb, like wreck a truck, you then pay the consequences, which is you no longer get to drive the truck, right? It's a consequence of the action. But my dad didn't every day and say, Jared, I want you to come look at that truck. Do you see what you did to my truck? Every once in a while he did bring it up because my dad is a man, not God. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't stand in front and say, you remember you broke this covenant? You remember you screwed this up? No. He says, I just want to make sure that you can get back to my presence. And that was what Christ came to do, to restore the covenant and presence. And when the covenant and presence was restored for us, when Christ did that for us, now we had direct access back. He gave us the keys to the truck back. And he said, now you can go because I give you the license to go and to be back in my presence. And we say, oh, thank you, Dad, for freedom. <laughs> and then we say, okay, I've got this now, and what do I want to do? He asks you to maybe do some things. Like, hey, Jared, on your way home from school, I need you to stop and pick this up and do this. Do I say, no, Dad, I ain't doing that? No, I would have never thought that. Not because my dad was oh so, 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 uh, so rough on me, because he was like God. He said, I was more concerned about where you were now I've got you back to where I need you to be. And my reaction was just, thank you for being able to be where I'm supposed to be. So thus I will do the things you ask of me to do. Which is where the clapping, the bowing, the acts of worship, these are things he asks us to do. What else does he ask you to do? When you're walking through life, he may ask you to stop. Hey, you know what? This person may need something. Hey, you know what? This person, this over here, right? He calls us to help the poor, the needy, all of these different things. Those are just as much acts of worship as walking into this place and clapping your hands and lifting your hands. If not, actually, I would venture to say more. Y'all hearing that? That's the lead and guide and direct. That's why covenant, we can't understand acts of worship until we understand the covenant that we originally had and why Christ came to restore that covenant so we could freely worship and the ways that we, that, we, that we see fit to worship so he can lead, guide, and direct us through that. What are you laughing at me, Kim? I see you over there laughing at me. <laughs> that is what Christ came to restore was our covenant. So let's do a quick recap of this. Hosea shows us that we transgressed the covenant or in our we altered something. We shifted it and changed it in a way that it shouldn't be. When we did in Genesis, when that happens, 
God's initial reaction is to say, okay, there's going to be some consequences, but I'm more concerned about your health and your safety. I got to put you in this place over here to where you don't stay in this state forever because it's not my intent. It is not what I want for you. I want something better and greater. So he says, I'm going to set up a new plan. Now it's not about what you don't do to, uh, to stay in my presence. Now it's just about the thing that you do. And we're asking and saying, God, all of our acts of worship are to say, we thank you for bringing back that opportunity to stay in the presence. That's why this whole thing about acts of worship, every single one, if you notice, watch every video, it all ties back to your heart being led by the Spirit because now we want his presence with us. So when we do the things we need to do in life, he can lead, guide, and direct us. And we are impacting and changing the world, not for your own gain, but so we can put other people back in the, in the, in the covenant that God gave us. That's what we're trying to do. Stand to your feet this morning.